For 25 years, we have been Indiana's business news leader. This is IBJ Media's Inside Indiana Business with Gary Dick. Presented by Elevate Ventures and Indiana University. Gary, Indiana was called the magic city of steel. It was nothing but sand and wetlands when it was founded by U.S. Steel in 1906. An uncertain future for that corporate titan that put Gary on the map. What's next for U.S. Steel and its thousands of workers? Plus, how two Hancock County neighbors built a tiny startup into a thriving tech company in the world of healthcare and beyond. And pull up a seat at the table to see which Indianapolis area restaurants landed on Yelp's top 100 places to eat in the Midwest. Hello and welcome to Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick. It is an iconic American company created by titans of U.S. industry. Names like J.P. Morgan, Andrew Carnegie. More than 122 years ago, U.S. Steel founded the city of Gary in 1906 when it placed Gary Works on the shores of Lake Michigan, creating what would become the nation's largest steel mill, employing more than 30,000 workers in the early 70s. But news that U.S. Steel is considering a sale has sent shockwaves through northwest Indiana, the heart and soul of the state's steel industry, which continues to be the largest in the nation. Joining me now with uh, the latest is veteran reporter Joseph S. Pete, who covers the steel industry for the Times of Northwest Indiana. Joseph, thanks for joining us. Um, we were talking off camera a moment ago uh, about the vibe, the uh, kind of the reaction in, in Northwest Indiana, and, and you say it's it's really one of shock. Oh, absolutely. Everyone's just shocked. This came out of nowhere. There was no anticipation. U.S. Steel just had two of its most profitable quarters in its entire 122-year history uh, last year. The company's been doing relatively well. It had a $500 million profit roughly in the second quarter. Um, the steel market's been pretty strong and robust. You know, the stock isn't depressed. The um, company isn't struggling. It, it just kind of came out of nowhere. In, in a sense, it could be, uh, in retrospect, it could be kind of anticipated because Cleveland Cliffs has been trying to really consolidate the vertically integrated uh, steel industry. They weren't even making steel three years ago. They were um, an iron ore producer, but they bought up um, ArcelorMittal USA and AK Steel, and they're looking to kind of further um, consolidate the industry and have more kind of leverage, especially over automakers and uh, the prices that automakers yeah. will pay for hot-rolled steel. Well, give us, and, and this is an evolving situation. We're taping this show earlier in the week, so things can change, but Cleveland Cliffs uh, had made an offer, uh, S-Mark, privately held uh, a company, an all-cash offer, uh, where do you see this going? It, 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 could this be a bidding war of sorts? Oh, um, potentially, um, uh, potentially Cleveland Cliffs is definitely the best capitalized. Um, Reuters is also reporting that ArcelorMittal is talking to its investment bankers and weighing a potential bid. Um, Smark is a smaller privately held firm. They have purchased an integrated steel maker before, but they're supposed to have around 500 million in cash, which is r- roughly you know, just the profit that U.S. Steel had. Um, Cleveland Cliffs is a much bigger and more capitalized um, company. It's hard to see where it's going to go. Cleveland Cliffs was offering a 43% premium on um, U.S. Steel's current stock price. So U.S. Steel kind of has a fiduciary responsibility to stockholders to kind of explore alternatives and 
um, see what I can get. But they seem to by uh, announcing that they're announcing out of the blue, they're exploring yeah. strategic alternatives. They it, really it, seem to be putting themselves on the market and trying to get the best bid they potentially could. Yeah, Joseph, give folks from around the state an idea of the significance that U.S. Steel has in the industry. It's 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 the part of the heart and soul of Northwest Indiana, to be sure. It has far fewer employees than it once did, but it's still a very much a major major employer in the region. Oh, absolutely. It's a bedrock institution in the region. It's really woven into the um, cultural fabric. It's brought immigrants here from all over the world. Generations of people have worked there. It's really supported middle class uh, lifestyles all throughout the region. It's really integrated into the economy beyond just the people who directly work at the mills. You have the service centers that process the steel it makes. You have the distribution companies and the railroads that um, bring the steel it makes to markets. The skilled trades, most of the, a lot of their work is done at the steel mills, you know, big summer maintenance projects, working on blast furnaces and so forth. You have um, major uh, companies here, suppliers to it, Praxair, mm-hmm. um, Carmoose Lime. It really is, well, its tendrils are woven throughout the entire economy in Northwest Indiana. Yeah. It's kind of, um, steel making is central to our identity here. It's kind of synonymous with steel making and the um, manufacturing. It was once making literally two thirds of the world steel. Yeah. It's so part of the establishment. It was like, you know, mentioned in the Godfather or bigger than US right. steel. It just seemed like uh, an ironclad institution and something like this would be just completely unfathomable. People are just completely caught unawares. Hey, Joseph, we only have about uh, about 30 seconds. I know it, it's anybody's guess as to what's next, but what can we expect, do you think, here in, in the next in the, the week ahead? It's very difficult to say. Um, Cleveland Cliffs uh, attempted acquisition is really driving this. That could potentially run into some antitrust concerns because they would end up as the largest. Um, they would end up as the only integrated, vertically integrated steel maker left standing, supplying automakers, appliance makers, other manufacturers. They would also control about 100 percent of the iron ore. Yep. It, it, it remains to be seen whether you know the the, the feds would go for that. Um, it's hard to. The U.S. Steel seems to be kind of putting themselves on the market to see what other. You know, buyers might have to offer. It's hard to say if, you know, some of the assets will be divvied up, the company will be sold to new ownership. Yep. Really, what will happen? The union is trying to reassure their members. They have um, very strong successorship language that will keep the jobs in place for at least for the duration of the next few years for the duration of the contract. All right. Keep the pay benefits and so forth. Joseph S. Pete does a great job of covering the steel industry for the Times of Northwest Indiana. Joseph, appreciate it. We'll be back in touch as we follow the story. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, he made it official this week after weeks of speculation. Indianapolis native and former Indiana Secretary of Commerce Brad Chambers has filed official paperwork to run for governor. Chambers is president and CEO of Indianapolis-based Buckingham Companies, a $3 billion real estate investment firm he founded as a student at Indiana University. In his two years as Secretary of Commerce, the state secured an estimated $33 billion in capital investment commitments Chambers is the fifth Republican to enter the 2024 gubernatorial race. And Governor Eric Holcomb has named David Rosenberg as the state's next Secretary of Commerce. Rosenberg has been serving as Chief Operating Officer and Chief of Staff at the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. As mentioned, he succeeds uh, Brad Chambers, who stepped down after two years in that role. Rosenberg will also serve as CEO of the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, the state's lead economic development agency. Well, there's a new leader at AES Indiana. 
Ken Zagzebski has been named president, CEO, and chairman of the board of the utility. It's a homecoming of sorts for Zagzebski, who previously served as CEO of AES Indiana predecessor of Palco Enterprises. He replaces Christina Lund, who stepped down in July. Coming up next, more on how the potential sale of U.S. Steel could dramatically impact communities in northwest Indiana and beyond. Andrew Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, and Charles Schwab, American business tycoons who helped create U.S. Steel in Gary, Indiana, which would go on to become the world's largest steelmaker. Gary, congratulations on this 25th anniversary of your career. Indiana State University is so very proud of you as our distinguished alum and the work you've done to move Indiana business news forward. Uh, your Emmy award-winning show has really caused us to say that's a sycamore of whom we are so most proud. Congratulations on 25 wonderful creative years. Here's what's making news around Indiana, brought to you by the Indiana Association of Realtors, Indiana's 21,000 realtors, the neighbors you know, the experts you can count on. Michael, we're bigger than U.S. Steel. U.S. Steel, so significant and successful, it got a line out of Hyman Roth in Godfather 2. In fact, U.S. Steel would become the world's first billion-dollar corporation and continues to serve as a key economic driver in northwest Indiana. For more than 40 years, Indiana has been the nation's largest steel-producing state. Hoosier Mills accounting for more than 25 percent of the nation's raw steel production. Our Mary Rachel Redmond is outside one of those steel mills in Hendricks County with more reaction to the potential sale. Mary Rachel. Well, Gary, Fort Wayne Bay Steel Dynamics opened its Pittsburgh steel mill nearly 20 years ago. Steel Dynamics is the third largest producer of carbon steel products in the country. It's one of the new age steel companies founded in 1993. So in the grand scheme of things, not all that long ago, especially when you contrast it with U.S. Steel that's been operating for 122 years. So needless to say, the prospect of a potential sale has some in northwest Indiana concerned about the future of an industry that's defined a region. It's private conversation between two private entities and, and business. So, so you know, there's always speculation and always um, imagining what's going to come next from this. But um, with the opportunity of fully integrated steel that we have here in Northwest Indiana, those assets are still going to be critical to the economy. So um, we have high expectations that we will continue to be the producer of over 20% of the nation's steel. We've seen some indications from the uh, activity that's happened around uh, U.S. steel to continue to tighten up their portfolio. So uh, there's been speculation that a, that a sale might come about uh, at some point. But despite the ongoing chatter of a looming sale, Innes says several businesses are making investments in the region, which could help balance things out. We do continue to diversify Northwest Indiana economy um, because we know that even if we're still a major producer of this uh, great industry, that we're going to be able to continue to do more with fewer people, right? And so uh, continuing to 
evolve Northwest Indiana's economy is a critical component for us. You know, that's why we're making investments in things like the quantum corridor and why we're looking at opportunities to continue to better connect ourselves with the city of Chicago through the investments that have been made in the commuter rail line. So, so really, I think that, that, um, that industry is going to continue to evolve and players may come and go from it, uh, but it's still going to remain a critical asset to to the national economy as well as uh, a Northwest Indiana economy. Again, Ennis tells me the mood in Northwest Indiana is mostly positive. A lot more, though, to come on this story in the weeks and months ahead. We're also making news around Indiana. Louisville-based Conco Inc., a manufacturer of ammunition containers, is expanding into Indiana. One Southern Indiana says the company plans to invest more than $54 million to locate the former Tokeson USA facility in Scottsburg and create up to 175 jobs. Jeffersonville set to host a major trade show for tour operators next June. Travel Alliance Partners has picked the Clark County City for its Tap Dance Travel Conference, a chance for Southeast Indiana to showcase its tourism offerings to tour operators and planners from around the nation. A major milestone in Fort Wayne where Amazon officially opened its new Indiana Fulfillment Center. Not only will Amazon's new facility in Allen County put 1,000 Hoosiers to work, it's the first of its kind robotics center in Indiana. This is Amazon's second fulfillment center in Fort Wayne, the first one located near the airport there. Amazon has invested $19 billion in the state over the past 13 years. A Media Indiana is reducing publishing schedules at several of its publications. Beginning next month, The Republic in Columbus, Daily Reporter in Greenfield, and The Tribune in Seymour will publish just two days a week. Additionally, Franklin's Daily Journal is discontinuing its Monday print edition. And for the 10th straight month, Indiana has seen a decline in sports betting. According to Play Indiana, July wagers dropped 1.4 percent from the same month last year. That'll do it from here in Pittsburgh. Gary, back to the studio. All right, Mary Rachel, thank you. Well, when your clients include NASA, the FDA, and others, you know you might be on the right track. Next, we visit Sonicue in Greenfield, a company that's grown into a big deal in the tech healthcare space. And as Eli Lilly and company's stock continues to soar, the pharmaceutical giant using its riches to make deals by spending billions on biotech acquisitions. In this week's IBJ, read more about how the deals are reinforcing its pipeline and helping Lilly Endowment at the same time. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group, Bank. All rights reserved. Well, crews are busy adding the final touches to Bicentennial Unity Plaza. That's just outside of Gainbridge Fieldhouse in downtown Indianapolis. The public plaza will include a $20 million entertainment center, art sculptures, and a community basketball court that can be converted into a seasonal ice rink, larger than the one at Rockefeller Center in New York City. We will give you a first look at Indiana's newest gathering space next week when we bring you the show from Gainbridge Fieldhouse. 
Well, business is booming now for a healthcare technology company that started small in Greenfield, but has grown its client list to include NASA, Johns Hopkins, and Harvard. Business of Health reporter Kylie Valletta joins us now with more from downtown Greenfield. Kylie. Thanks, Gary. SonicQ was founded by two Greenfield neighbors, and the company put down roots right here next to the Hancock County Courthouse, outgrew that space, and opened a second office on the other side of the courthouse. And out of that historic pocket in downtown Greenfield, SonicQ runs a modern, cutting-edge operation and recently signed on its 600th client in the U.S. The company provides temperature and environmental monitoring for healthcare and life sciences customers. Here in Indiana, SonicQ monitors all pharmacies at every IU Health Hospital, making sure each fridge and freezer is keeping medication and vaccines at exactly the right temperature. Using wireless sensors, SonicQ watches for any mishaps and sends an alarm if the temperature isn't in the permitted range and builds reports for regulatory compliance with the FDA, for example. The company was recently nominated as a scale-up of the year for TechPoint's Mira Awards based on its explosive of growth. SonicQ Chief Revenue Officer Joe Mundell says working with the IU School of Medicine to monitor all of its research freezers, such as the Komen Tissue Bank, has helped hook other big names in research, including Stanford University and Johns Hopkins. We've been uh, doubling our our revenues over the last couple of years, and and, we're just coming off a record quarter for us. We had back-to-back record months. We have national contracts with um, Optum, which is a, one of the largest healthcare companies in the United States, to, so it's been it's been a fun ride, and I think it just goes back to the roots of IU Health and, and local hospital systems like Hancock and Hendricks that helped us build this foundation. One of its newer clients is NASA. SonicQ is monitoring a few trailers doing remote work, and the company says that's a common pattern. SonicQ will start with a small project for a client, and that grows into bigger jobs. And SonicQ says it can't fully tell its story without mentioning its talented technology team, some real heavy hitters in the country in the wireless IoT space, and every single engineer on that team is a Purdue grad. Gary, back to you. Thanks, Kylie. A homegrown Hoosier success story indeed. Well, Travis Brown is another Indiana entrepreneurial success story, the founder and CEO of Mojo Up Marketing. is my guest on the next Business and Beyond podcast. A standout high school athlete, Travis played football at two colleges but quit both times. He then started his own mortgage company, but that failed. Travis credits sports with helping him dig out from hitting rock bottom. I I think I was faced with it so much that instead of running from it, hiding from it, or acting like it doesn't exist, I I tried to leverage it. It became like, okay, I failed, but I'm going to prove that I can still succeed. Sports does give you that competitiveness where you're like, you understand how to win and lose. The thing about life is you have to figure out what is winning and losing in the game of life. A very interesting and inspiring conversation with brand marketing strategist, motivational speaker, Travis Brown on the Business and Beyond podcast that begins Monday. Well, foodies have spoken out and they've given several Indiana restaurants, including Livery, high marks. More on Yelp's list of the top 100 places to eat in the Midwest when we come back. Join IBJ on Friday, September 8th for our annual commercial real estate power breakfast. 
Moderator Mickey Shuey and a panel of experts will discuss Central Indiana's growing commercial real estate scene. You can RSVP by September 5th at ibj.com slash events. Well, from steaks to hot dogs, fine dining to takeout, the best Midwest restaurants offer a wide range of flavors and cuisines. For its new list of the top 100 restaurants in the Midwest, Yelp has scoured really scores of eateries all over a dozen states. And with more on the Indiana establishments that made the cut, I am pleased to be joined, as always, by Yelp's Brittany Smith. Yelp, uh, Yelp, Brittany, welcome. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, Harry. <laughs> hey, uh, this list, always uh, a fun list to look at each and every year. Um, eight Indiana restaurants made the list, and pretty pretty diverse group, right? Exactly. It's a really good mix of flavors that we've got here, and also price points. So it kind of reaches all audiences. Yeah. All right, let's take a look at uh, five of those restaurants. We begin with Omani Fresh Fast Korean. Yeah, we're in Carmel for this one. And if you're new to Korean food, number one, you got to give it a try. It's amazing. Two, this is a great place to start with it. They've got a made-to-order uh, bar that you go along. You can learn about the different ingredients. The staff can give you suggestions. It's also a great place if you're a vegetarian or a meat eater or dietary restrictions. They are known for the dolsat bibimbap, which is a stone-fired rice bowl topped with veggies, meat or yeah. tofu, a fried egg on top. It's really a delicious spot. Gotcha. Let's go up to Fort Wayne now. And uh, Haru Sushi Izakaya. That's right. Yeah, this business has only been around for two years, but it's been popular right out the door. Folks really love their sushi rolls, obviously, hence the name. But they've got the tiger roll, the monkey brain roll is another (laughs) popular one. Really funny names. But they're also known for their carpaccio as well as their bento boxes. So a great place to try out Japanese cuisine. All right, coming back to Indianapolis for the third restaurant on the list, Delicia. Yeah, this is where we've got all this beautiful food here. They have been around for over 10 years in the Sobro neighborhood, really close to the Monon Trail. It's a really uh, fun menu because it's inspired by Spanish cuisine, Caribbean, and Latin fusion. They are known just as much for their cocktails as they are for their food. They've got the corn tamal with the beef barbacoa on top. Some really fun spicy cocktails. Yep. I suggest the fire and ice. Great spot for brunch as yeah, well. Yeah, it smells great too. It does. Great, great you can really in feel studio. it in the air. Uh, let's go up to uh, Noblesville now in 9th Street Bistro. Yeah, this one's located just a stone's throw off the historic square there in Noblesville. And the owners get the menu inspiration from their global travels. So you're going to see a lot of fun different flair on the menu. And uh, the other thing that's fun about it is they're using seasonal ingredients. So each month you go there, you're going to see something different on the menu. Some standouts in the Yelp reviews are the pork chop with pimento cheese, the burrata appetizer. It's a really delicious spot. Last but certainly not least, a mainstay here in Indianapolis, Livery. Yes, and they made our top 100 list for the country country, this year on Yelp, actually. So big kudos to them, part of the Cunningham Restaurant Group, located right off Mass Ave. They have a fabulous rooftop space as well. One of the things I love is when you get there, they hand you the a complimentary chicharrones to kick it off with your cocktail. They're known for their empanadas and yeah. their churros are also some of the best in the state. Oh, always a great list and uh, never can't forget these are businesses that are really making things happen. Brittany for Smith, sure. as always, thanks. Thanks, Gary. Okay. That's all the time we have for this week's show. We leave you this week with another look at U.S. Steel's massive Gary Works in northwest Indiana, the shores of Lake Michigan. We'll keep following this potential sale and what it could mean for thousands of Indiana workers. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week. Thank you for listening to the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. Remember, you can get the latest business news from every corner of the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week.